Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today we're opening the radio vault for a classic broadcast, and we have a special announcement that you won't want to miss. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Whether the radio, online, or on our podcast, thank you for connecting with us. We are so glad that you're here. If you're new to the broadcast, be sure to pick up the new listener pack. In the pack is a welcome letter with history about the ministry, the latest issue of the Prophetic Observer, and a free gift. Call 1-800-652-1144 and get your free new listener pack today. 1-800-652-1144 or online swrc.com. Did you know that our website, swrc.com, now has over 700 prophecy materials, books, and DVDs that help bring clarity to the world and make sense of the nonsense? New items are being added almost every day. swrc.com. Resources by Bill Federer, Aaron Lipkin, Ken Ham, Todd Friel, J.R. Church, Jonathan Kahn, Tom Horn, Larry Spargimino, James Collins, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Billy Crone, and many, many more. Hundreds and hundreds of books and DVDs right there for you, your Sunday school, homeschool, or small group. Check it out, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. All the way back in 1994, Noah Hutchings sat down with Hal Lindsey to discuss their thoughts on the future of mankind as they approach the new millennium. It's a fascinating conversation to go back and listen in on. So, from 1994, Noah Hutchings and Hal Lindsey talking about planet Earth, 2000 A.D. We have a very important guest with us, at least important from the observation of what is going on in the world today in light of Bible prophecy. Brother Hal Lindsey, he's written 11 books with a combined worldwide circulation of over 35 million. He is known as the Jeremiah of this generation. I know I've looked forward to Brother Lindsey's books. His late great planet Earth book had a dissemination, I would say, well up over 20 million. Brother Lindsay, it's certainly good to have you on the program this week, and we're going to be talking about what is going on in the world today in light of God's eternal plan and purpose. We're also going to be monitoring your latest book, Planet Earth, the year 2000. Tell us something about what you observe going on right now that is of the greatest prophetic importance. Well, thank you, Brother Hutchinson. And this is why I felt compelled to write the new book, Planet Earth 2000 A.D., Will Mankind Survive? Because, you know, I've been studying for a long time, but this is the first period where I've seen so many major secular magazines even have cover stories where they're asking the question, is this the time that man is threatened with his very extinction? My wife reads the French magazines to keep up her French, and she was reading L'Espresse about six months ago, and the cover title was The End of the World Commentary, and it was showing that there's been such an increase 
of catastrophic proportions and famine, global weather pattern changes, killer storms, things of this nature, relentless increase in ethnic fighting and so forth, that they're beginning to ask, will mankind really survive all of this? You know, Hal, even the National Enquirer, in his latest edition, said that Jesus was going to return in 1999, and then the world was going to come to an end in the year 2000. We don't set dates, and I know you don't either, but at least there is a worldwide awareness that something is going to have to happen soon. There is the One World Government Movement and what is going on in the Middle East, Europe and mankind, the conference in Cairo about overpopulation. It took 4,500 years for the population of the world to increase from eight souls to one billion after the flood. In the last 10 years, we see that the world population has grown by that same amount. So we're on an exponential curve as far as what is happening in the world in light of the social order and the coming one world order, the New Age movement, a comprehensive peace treaty, and the revival of the Roman Empire in Europe. You mentioned judgments of nature, Brother Lindsay. This last year, I went in to do a program at 4 o'clock. When I came out at 4.30, there was coming a vicious hailstorm. Hailstorms in nearby areas literally ripped houses to pieces. This is not something that is common here in Oklahoma in August. And here it is, right in the middle of summer, we're experiencing these fierce storms and judgments. What does the Bible have to say about judgments of nature, and do you relate that to something unusual in the prophetic area? I really do, because Jesus said that there would be some signs like birth pangs in Matthew chapter 24, verse 8. He names a lot of these various signs that would come together at the same time and increase in concert with each other. Though many of them are not specifically related, he said they would come up at the same time and increase in frequency and intensity, the same as birth pangs. And one of those signs, he said would be a global change in weather patterns, which would result in such violent storms that men's hearts would fail them for fear at the roaring of the waves in the sea. Certainly, we've recorded some of the strongest weather ever known. Some of the hurricanes recorded in the last few years have had winds over 225 miles per hour. Some of the typhoons in the Pacific have had winds of more than 200 miles per hour and they've wreaked tremendous devastation. One ice storm last year, a woman on Fifth Avenue said, I wouldn't be surprised to see Noah's Ark coming down Fifth Avenue. These storms are in biblical proportion to their devastation. So I think everyone's asking the question, what's going on? You know, I went through the Midwest this last year on meetings and got caught in all those terrible floods throughout the Midwest. I was in San Francisco in 1989 when the earthquake out there did so much damage. And then I was in Los Angeles this spring and got caught in an earthquake there in Los Angeles. It seems like everywhere I go, I get caught in these natural disasters. And of course, at the time of the Los Angeles riots, I was out in Los Angeles and got caught in those. 
So maybe God is trying to tell me something to share with the people about these judgments that are coming on the earth. We know that judgments in the Bible are given as a sign. Well, let's just take one thing that is unique to our times. When I was born in 1929, there were only two billion people in the world. I took from the beginning of mankind to 1850 to reach the first one billion people. It took from 1850 to 1930 to reach the second billion. And then the third billion was reached by 1960. But it only took from 1960 to 1975 to reach the fourth billion. And now we're up over five and a half billion people on Earth. Now that one factor alone makes two of these signs virtually a certainty because we're increasing in population with such an exponential rate that it guarantees there are going to be continuous famines. As a matter of fact, Dr. Charles Paddock said back in the 60s that the age of famines would begin in 1975, and he wrote a book called Famines 1975. And what he meant by that is that there would be an unparalleled situation in that there would be great famines going on at all times at some place on the earth, and his projection was absolutely correct. So Jesus said there would be great famines that would increase in frequency and intensity. And at the same time, he said there would be plagues. I remember when I first started reporting on things about Bible prophecy some 36 years ago, that uh, doctor friends of mine would say, Hal, don't talk about plagues. Antibiotics and the miracle drugs have virtually stamped out the old dread diseases. And now, as of March 28, 1994, Newsweek had a cover story on antibiotics where it says we're facing the end of the miracle drugs. What has happened is the bacteria of all of these past dread diseases we thought were beat have developed immunity to all known antibiotics. Many of them cannot be treated by anything known today. So the fact that many of the things we thought that were stamped out, like tuberculosis, malaria, and so forth, they're now able to overcome the strongest antibiotics we have. And then you couple that with the greatest plague of all time, AIDS, which has the ability to wipe out the immunity to everything. It's the greatest horrible plague of all time, and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. The United Nations and other social prognosticators have predicted that we were going to do away with famine, we were going to create a beautiful world, mm -hmm. but famines actually are increasing. As we look at the major metropolitan areas today, like New York City, Dallas-Fort Worth, Houston, Tokyo, London, Mexico City, millions and millions of people what if communications were disrupted, say, for 30 days in those areas? What would happen? It'd be catastrophic. The greatest problem with famine is that the areas least able to support a large increase in population are the ones that are having the greatest increase in population. For instance, all through Latin America, like Mexico City, which is now the largest city on Earth, over 25 million people in it, the governments are going to have to produce within the next 10 years, double the amount of jobs and ability to support food-wise all of these people just to keep up with population increase. And yet there doesn't seem to be any possibility 
of them able to keep up with that kind of population. We're talking with Hal Lindsey, probably one of the most astute and comprehensive prophetic observers of our time, and Hal has written a new book, Planet Earth 2000 A.D., Will Mankind Survive? Brother Lindsey, as we look at the world today, do you expect there to be a one-world government? You know, we hear a lot about one-world government, and the Bible predicts that one man is going to have control over all the world, over all nations. That is 100% political power. Mm-hmm. Do you foresee the formation of a one-world government? Is that really going to come to pass in our lifetime? Well, I think there are many forces pushing us toward a one-world government now. I think just the catastrophes we're talking about are causing governments to say we've got to get together to, in a joint way, confront these things. I think the continued instability in Russia is one of the things that's going to push us that way because of the fact that they've got so much nuclear material with 1.3 million nuclear scientists and technologists that are roaming around in some of the most unstable areas. The fact that there are so many ethnic wars going on. The fact that economically there's a pressure to unite. I think all of these things are moving us toward uniting. Certainly the United Nations is trying to move us toward a one-world government. I believe that what we will see is a movement toward Europe as first being a leader of the West and then pushing toward taking over a whole one-world government. Even the Pope is predicting that there's going to be a move toward a one-world government. I'm sure you're acquainted with Malachi Martin. He expects in Europe that the Catholic Church itself will no longer be, shall we say, an entity as far as it is now. Mm -hmm. That there will be a one-world religion in the sense that one man is going to be in control of a one-world ecclesiastical order. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Pope himself has predicted that by the year 2000, all religions, especially Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, will be worshiping in peace in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. What do you foresee in the future concerning a one-world religion. Will those be left behind be in a one-world church or simply worshiping one man as God? Well, the Bible predicts that there will be. Of course, as we look at things now, it seems almost impossible that you could get Hindus, Muslims, all of these people united into one religion. And yet, I believe something catastrophic is going to happen that's going to cause people to merge into a one-world religious system. There'll have to be some sort of great deception take place. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says that God is going to send a strong delusion that the whole world should believe a lie. I think the disappearance, suddenly, of all true believers in Jesus Christ and an explanation that will be given for that may be the impetus that will be used to bring everybody under one world religion. You see movements that way right now, but I think it's going to take something really spectacular and unprecedented to cause some of these religions to forget their differences and to go together. Even something like an unidentified flying object landing and creatures posing as extragalactic beings 
saying they've come to put this world in order. Something like that could happen. Hal, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think of the recent accord between evangelicals and certain segments, at least, of the Catholic Church? You know, there was a lot of to-do made about it, reported in the press. What do you think about this accord? Well, I think, you know, because of the tremendous apostasy within Protestantism, there's been eroding away for some time of faith in various doctrines, especially the inspiration of Scripture, the distinctives of justification by faith, which started the whole Reformation. All of these things have been so abandoned by major denominations that there's nothing to really keep them from going together. They don't believe anything is distinction enough to make a distinction. So I think that their going together is just a sign of the times, that there's an abandoning of the true faith of the Bible, and why not join? They don't believe anything anyway. Hal, let's look at the sides of our time. You know, we were criticized recently by a major broadcaster because they said, oh, uh, Southwest Radio Church is always comparing uh, what is happening with the Bible and says uh, you can't pay any attention to them. Uh, But Jesus said we are to be looking for the signs of our times, that we are to be watching. And he said, when you see these things coming to pass, well, how are we going to know these things are coming to pass unless we compare world events with what the book says Mm -hmm. and what Jesus said and what John said and what Isaiah and Daniel said? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think that the Bible, it would be futile to give specific signs to look for if we were not to look for them and compare them with current events. I think many of the things going on today have happened on a lesser scale in the past. But what's unique today is that this is the first time in history that all of these signs are coming together in the same generation and increasing in frequency and intensity together. I think even the secular scientists and observers in the media are recognizing this is an unparalleled time. So certainly Bible students ought to be seeing it. How, what would you consider the number one prophetic sign in the world today that we're living in the extremity of the age and Jesus could come at any time? Well, I think that the sign that was most necessary was the rebirth of the state of Israel. What is going on with Israel is always part of God's time clock. I think before the rebirth of Israel, nothing was really relevant, but after the birth of it, everything seems to have come together around it. I think this piece of card that is being worked on in the Middle East right now is probably one of the most important signs going on, because if this piece of card holds, it will be the first time in Israel's history since their rebirth that they will be incapable of defending themselves. They will have to make alliance with some other power to help keep them secure. And that sets them up for Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, where it says Israel will sign this peace pact with the Antichrist to guarantee their security. When we were in Jordan in June, we were informed what was going to happen, that Jordan was going to enter into peace negotiations with Israel, that the water rights would be one consideration. 
Also, the right of Jordan, or King Hussein, at least the present king, over Mount Moriah. Mm -hmm. He recently refurbished the dome with gold. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how much it cost. I think he sold some property or someone put up the money for it. We were told that by 1996, Jerusalem would be internationalized. Do you have any insight into the possibility of this happening? Well, yes. It was King Hussein personally who, out of his own fortune, put up the money to put gold on the Dome of the Rock. There's a constant talk about internationalizing Jerusalem. And strangely enough, the movement now is toward having the Pope be the custodian of all of the, or the referee, as it were, of all the various holy sites in Jerusalem. There's a tremendous movement toward this. He would not control, for instance, the Muslim shrines, but he would referee the different religious interests that would have holdings there in Jerusalem and, in a sense, be the one that keeps them in harmony. How do you think that the Vatican itself might move to Jerusalem? I know there's been a lot of talk about that, and there has been an architectural design for the Vatican to be in Jerusalem. It's been on the table for 50 years, I think. Of course, Jerusalem is God's center of government for this world. Mm -hmm. It's going to be certainly the future center when Jesus comes back mm -hmm. and reigns on David's throne. Do you think the Pope will really preside over the holy places in Jerusalem and possibly even the Vatican move to Jerusalem? Well, there's a great possibility of that. There's talk about it. I don't know about the Vatican itself ever moving there, but certainly they're talking about setting up a center there. They're talking about setting up an embassy, as it were. I can see this growing greater and greater importance. You know, Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3 says that Jerusalem will become the focal point of all world attention just before Christ comes back, and that a battle over Jerusalem, who owns it, will be the cause of the last war of the world. There is so much more to this conversation between Noah Hutchings and Hal Lindsey. Two and a half hours total. And it's available today on two CDs for a gift of $15 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online swrc.com. That's swrc. Com. This special conversation from our radio library can be yours today. The complete two-and-a-half-hour broadcast on two CDs for a gift of $15 or more. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. We have an exciting announcement to share with you today. As of today, tours are back. We currently have two tours ready to announce with another one to announce in the coming weeks. In the year 2022, that's next year, Lord willing, we'll be hosting tours to Israel and Turkey. 
You are invited to join Southwest Radio Ministries on 11-day Holy Land experience to Israel and Jordan and a 9-day Churches of Revelation tour in Turkey. These tours include all-inclusive pricing that covers entrance and program fees, gratuities, overseas transfers, fuel charges and government taxes, and international airfare from New York City. Also included in the price are stays in first-class hotels, transportation in deluxe air-conditioned motor coaches, daily breakfast and dinner, as well as guided tours, and Bible studies right there on location with both Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins. Walk where Jesus walked. See Jerusalem, Petra, and Masada. Experience Bethlehem, Galilee, and Jericho. In Turkey, visit Istanbul, Ephesus, and Smyrna. Travel in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul and see Thyatira, Colossae, Philadelphia, Sardis, Laodicea, and much, much more. Registration is now open for both of these tours, but space is limited and the tours are expected to fill up quickly. Visit the tour section of our website for dates, complete itineraries, pricing, and payment information. SWRC.com. That's SWRC.com. Experience the Holy Land with Southwest Radio Ministries. Israel, Jordan, and Turkey with Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins. Register today at SWRC.com or call for details 1-800-652-1144. One more resource to let you know about, The Shepherd book and DVD by our staff evangelists, James Collins. For over 3,000 years, countless generations have turned to Psalm 23 for strength during times of trouble. Its brief six verses offer words of compassion, hope, and encouragement that never wear out. Though this little psalm was written in a different time and place, the lessons it contains are as up-to-date as the 21st century. In The Shepherd, James Collins explores the rich meaning behind the world's best-known and most-loved poem. James teaches the psalm verse-by-verse, explaining its extraordinary power to change lives and ease our troubles. He shares its fascinating context and colorful background. You'll find encouragement to enjoy the green pastures of life while becoming strengthened by the dark valleys. Through James Collins' explanation of the biblical text that illustrates the love and care of the Lord, The Shepherd will help you rediscover the joy, inspiration, and peace of this beloved psalm. In The Shepherd book and DVD, James Collins answers questions like, Does the 23rd Psalm fit into Messianic prophecy? What is the significance of restoration? Does the shepherd-sheep relationship parallel God and man? James Collins answers these questions and more in The Shepherd. The Shepherd book and DVD is available today for a gift of $25 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Tours are back and our brand new 
the Shepherd book and DVD, available right now. Be sure and tune in tomorrow when author and teacher Larry Stamm will be looking at the Jewish roots of Christianity. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.